We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Packer fans. Did you know that right now you can go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100? I had to get in on the Thanksgiving Day prize picks action. So here we are with my four selections that I'm rolling with. First and foremost, going with Jordan Love, more than 1.5 passing plus rushing plus receiving touchdowns. Now, pretty sure he's probably not going to get a receiving touchdown in this game, but I have a pretty good feeling that Jordan Love is going to have to come up with two touchdowns in some capacity, whether it be passing or rushing in order for Green Bay to stay competitive in this one. The next one, same thing. Romeo Dobbs, more than 37.5 receiving yards. Jaden Reed's banged up. Dontavian Wicks is not going to play in this game. Luke Musgrave's on IR. Like their core wide receivers, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, they're going to have to be heavily involved in this game. So I'm going with Romeo Dobbs, more than 37.5 receiving yards. The next one, Aiden Hutchinson, more than 0.25 sacks. This is a player who has been an absolute menace against the Packers. He is going to get matchups, not only against Zach Tom, but I'm sure they're going to use him either against Yash Nyman or Rashid Walker, who's ever lined up at left tackle. I'm expecting Green Bay to have to throw a lot in this game to keep up with Detroit. And because of that, Aiden Hutchinson should have a lot of opportunity to get more than 0.25 sacks in this one. And then finally, Amon Ross St. Brown, more than 7.0 receptions. Amon Ross St. Brown is a reception machine. I know 7.0 receptions might seem like a lot. I fully expect him to get there because they're going to go to him early and often on key downs. Even if Jair Alexander is playing, Amon Ross St. Brown just constantly finds ways to get open. And I expect Amon Ross St. Brown to have plenty of opportunities and more than 7.0 receptions. So quick recap, Jordan Love, more than 1.5 passing plus rushing plus receiving touchdowns. Romeo Dobbs, more than 37.5 receiving yards. Aiden Hutchinson, more than 0.25 sacks. Amon Ross St. Brown, more than 7.0 zero receptions. The best part is that you can go to prizepicks.com slash packaday to use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Twenty minutes a day. 
365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Happy Thanksgiving. Welcome into an all-new episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Of course, it's not just Thanksgiving. It is a Packers Thanksgiving. Packers-Lions public service announcement, 11.30 a.m. Central Time kickoff. So make sure if you're thinking it's like a noon game like usual, it is a half hour earlier. So just as a reminder there, but Packers-Lions Thanksgiving should be really fun just to kind of see the Packers play on Thanksgiving, see how this young team responds and just see if they can do much better than they did in week four against the Lions in Green Bay. I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges here. So we've got a lot to go over. Uh, We're going to go over, obviously, my keys to the game like we usually do, my final prediction, all the transactions, roster moves, all of it. But before we get there, I do want to sincerely say thank you. Pack-A-Day podcast is obviously my full-time gig, my life. I've dedicated everything I'm doing right now to it, and you guys make that possible. So thank you so much for being a part of it, checking out Pack-A-Day podcast whenever you do. If this is your first time, thanks for being here. If you've come here multiple times or every day or whatever you do, I just really appreciate you and appreciate you making Pack-A-Day podcast a part of, hopefully, your daily routine. All right, let's get to the transactions first. First and foremost, from an IR standpoint, Green Bay did put two players on IR, Luke Musgrave and Emmanuel Wilson, which does mean that both of them will be out at least four games starting this week. So Musgrave, Emmanuel Wilson will not be back on the roster for about a month at the earliest. And of course, we'll have to keep an eye on Musgrave to see if he's able to come back at any point this season. With those two open roster spots, they did add two players to the active 53-man roster. Those two players, James Robinson, the running back, that one's an interesting one, right? They, you know, he's obviously had a very interesting career. Uh, he started off great as an undrafted free agent in Jacksonville. Then he gets traded. The trade doesn't go well. He ends up in New England later. He signs New England, decent deal this offseason. He ends up getting cut really quick. I don't even think he made it like remotely through training camp. I don't even know if he made it to training camp, but either way, uh, he ends up in Green Bay's practice squad at one point, then just gets released right off the practice squad. And now they bring him back and now put him on the active 53-man roster. He will be active for this game. So he'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. The other one is Bo Melton. And they could have gone with Grant DuBose. I know some people were surprised they didn't go with DuBose. I was not. In my opinion, Melton is the better, well-rounded wide receiver, and Melton has more special teams value, which is probably one of the main reasons that he was the choice over DuBose as well. So not surprised it wasn't DuBose, but Melton gets the call, and he is now on the active 53-man roster as well. Meanwhile, Green Bay did elevate two players from the practice squad to the roster for game day. Those two players, Benny Sapp III, who was active last week, he was their dime defensive back last week. They only went dime on one snap, but he was their dime defensive back. We'll see if he takes up that mantle again. I'm sure a lot of that's going to be dependent upon the Jair Alexander and uh, Rudy Ford injuries, which we'll get to in just a moment, but he's elevated for game day. And then Henry Pearson, if you're excited to have a fullback back on the roster, this elevation is just for you. Henry Pearson is elevated. He will serve as the fullback slash H-back and probably a little bit as like an emergency tight end or even really a number three tight end as well, because there's only two tight ends that are active, Tucker Craft and Ben Sims. And then Henry Pearson will have to take any snaps after that. So Henry Pearson, Benny Sapp third elevated, James Robinson, Bo Melton to the 53, Emmanuel Wilson and Luke Musgrave to IR and again out at least four weeks. Now, from an injury report standpoint, 
two players were officially ruled out. One, Aaron Jones, no surprise there. The other was Darnell Savage. Savage did practice throughout the, well, would have practiced throughout the week had there been consistent practices. He is still on IR. His window, his practice window open. They have three weeks to activate him from the time that they opened that window. So they still have a couple weeks left. Nothing urgent at the moment. There was some question as to whether or not he'd be able to play, but they did not activate him off of IR and they did officially rule him out. So Darnell Savage, Aaron Jones are out for this game. Doubtful is Josiah DeGuara. And probably the main thing that you need to know here is they did bring up Henry Pearson. I don't think they probably would have done that if DeGuara was good to go. So I would not expect DeGuara to play in this game in any capacity. And again, expect Henry Pearson to take his place on special teams, fullback, H-back, and again, maybe even a little tight end. Questionable in this game are five pretty important players. Jair Alexander, questionable. Devondre Campbell, AJ Dillon, Rudy Ford, and Dontavian Wicks. Now, there's varying degrees of interest here. Jair and Rudy Ford did not play last week. It seemed like they were kind of close, especially Jair. Ford then practiced, or at least was supposed to practice right away this week. So you hope that maybe they're able to go, but again, they're they're officially questionable. A.J. Dillon, super interesting. I think it was just kind of assumed all along that, yeah, Dylan will be fine and he's able to go, but he's legitimately questionable for this game. And it's not like he was a full participant in practice, or at least an estimated full participant. I expect him to go, but that's an interesting one because if he can't go, you're down Wilson, Jones, and Dylan. And now it's literally Patrick Taylor and James Robinson that would have to do all the uh, the you know running back duties. There's nobody else. And they could you know go in a different direction and use some wide receivers or Keyshawn Nixon or something. But I would fully expect that it would be James Robinson and Patrick Taylor taking the full running back duties if AJ Dylan can't go. I expect Dylan to go, but it's still an interesting one. And then Devondre Campbell, We'll talk a little bit more about him in just a moment. And then Dontavian Wicks is the other one where when he had the you know concussion protocol stuff, really easy to assume there's no chance that he plays on Thursday. I still think he's probably a long shot to play in this one and clear concussion protocol in time, but there are varying degrees of concussions and maybe his was super mild or maybe it was just precautionary. We just don't know. The fact that he's just questionable in general is good news, at least that it doesn't seem to be anything too serious because you never know with a concussion and we'll see if he can play. I'm not expecting him to. With Bo Melton being activated, if they thought Wicks could play, I do not think that they would activate Bo Melton uh, because they would have six wide receivers already. So really what's the point of Bo Melton at that point? So would not expect uh, Wicks to go in this one, but we shall see. Now, from a estimated participation and practice standpoint, the one player who was listed as a full participant from the questionable group was Devondre Campbell. So if you told me that one of the questionable players played, I would probably expect it to be Devondre Campbell. Now he does have that stinger neck issue and you never you know, can really be too careful with that stuff. But the fact that he, again, quote unquote, practiced in full probably makes him more of a probable than a questionable but we'll have to wait until inactives. And then again, the limited you know, participation for those who were questionable, Jair Alexander, AJ Dillon, Rudy Ford, and Dontavian Wicks. The interesting one as well, um, Jaden Reed, he was a you know off the injured list and full participant in practice. So he is going to go in this game and is probably the best piece of good news from the injury report and all the transactions on the day. 
What that leaves you with at running back, I still expect you to have AJ Dillon at running back as the primary ball carrier with uh, John, or excuse me, with Jonathan Taylor would be nice. Patrick Taylor getting the number two spot and kind of being in on obvious third down situations, pass protection, catching the ball out of the backfield, doing some of that stuff in some two minute drills. I could see Patrick Taylor being the guy, but expect Dylan, assuming he's good to go to be the guy with Patrick Taylor spelling him. And then James Robinson, expect him to kind of be, again, this is just guesswork, um, but I would expect him to be in that Emmanuel Wilson role where maybe he gets you know, a handful of snaps and maybe a carry or two within the game, assuming Dylan is good to go and ready to play a full workload in this game, which we can't assume with him being questionable, but that's what I'm going with as we're recording this right now. H-back fullback will be Henry Pearson for DeGuara. Wide receiver, I expect Watson, Dobbs, and Reed to be your primary three. I still expect Malik Heath to be that number four. They've been working him in a little bit more. I expect then Samore Turi to be active in the number five with Bo Melton being six and probably more of a special teams player in this game. Tight end, Tucker Craft will be your one, Ben Sims your two, and then again, Henry Pearson would have to be the emergency or sort of number three. They could use some offensive tackle as like a third tight end as well. Maybe Yash Nyman or Rashid Walker. They could maybe do Caleb Jones. They might have enough inactive players that Caleb could finally be active this week. If so, I'd love to see him used in some heavy personnel packages, but they have not gone in that direction as of yet. Probably just wishful thinking on my end. And then uh, at corner, corner is another really interesting one. If Jair's good to go, he's clearly going to be one of the starters. Then it gets interesting because if you put Jair and Valentine on the field at the same time, that's a really poor tackling cornerback group. Neither of them are super aggressive or physical. Jair's coming off the shoulder issue. That gets a little interesting. And they may go with Jair and Corey Ballantyne just to balance it out a little bit and have a corner that can actually kind of tackle on the outside. They could also do Ballantyne more on, you know, base downs and then Valentine more on obvious passing downs. They could do a variety of different things, but that will be interesting. Obviously, if Jair's not good to go, it's going to be Valentine, Valentine, and Nixon again as your three primary corners. At safety, Rudy Ford's going to be the big question here. If Ford can go, who pairs with him? Is it Anthony Johnson Jr. or is it Jonathan Owens? If Ford can't go, I would fully expect it to be Anthony Johnson Jr. and then uh, Jonathan Owens as your starters. They do also have Zane Anderson and Benny Sapp active in this one. So we're just going to have to wait and see. The inactives are going to be huge. Again, they'll release at 10 a.m. Central Time. And the ones to keep an eye on, Jair Alexander, Devondre Campbell, A.J. Dillon, Dontavian Wicks, and Rudy Ford. Those are the really true questionable players. And again, once we get those inactives, we'll see if any of those players are actually able to go in this game. All right, let's jump to the keys to the game. Usually I do 12. I'm going to keep it a little bit shorter today since it is Thanksgiving and everyone's probably getting to this uh, just a little bit before game time. So I'm going 10 keys to the game. Number one, it all starts and ends in the trenches and more so even with just a general physicality in this game. Green Bay struggles with teams like this, teams that are the the knee biters or ankle biters or whatever Dan Campbell said, the, the physical teams, the punch you in the mouth teams, Green Bay struggled with those sort of teams and Detroit has owned Green Bay as of late. They've won four consecutive games against the Packers, including knocking them out of the playoffs in week 18 last year when the Lions didn't even have anything to play for and Green Bay literally had the playoffs to play for. Yeah, I, you go back to week four and the Lions dominated the trenches in that game. I mean, absolutely dominated it. The Lions had 43 carries for 211 yards. The Packers had 12 carries for 27 yards. I mean, that is insane. 
So they have to do a much better job in pass protection and in run blocking on offense and in run defense and getting to the quarterback on defense. If Detroit just annihilates the Packers in the trenches again, the game is over before it starts. So it's going to take all five offensive linemen, all the defensive front players, whether we want to call them down linemen or not, it's going to take everyone to play a more physical brand of football and to not get dominated in the trenches. Because if the Lions can just run the ball at will and Green Bay's forced to throw 40, 50 times in this game, you're just, it's far too much of an uphill battle. And Detroit at home, short week, Green Bay, all the injuries that they have, it's, it's just a losing battle. So key to this game, first and foremost, and just like everything is going to be the trenches in Green Bay being more physical than they were in week four, learning from those mistakes and just playing a more physical brand of football than they have really, not just in week four, but in recent memory, it's going to take a much more physical effort overall. And the next two kind of go along with that. Number two, Jonah Jackson is the only player that's basically, that is on the Lions injury report uh, on Wednesday, the only player, but he is out. And that is a starter along the offensive line. And this is like, (laughs) to some extent, this is like the flaw in the Death Star. There's not many, uh, but their offensive line is incredible. And I mean, incredible. They are so freaking good um, and might just be the best offensive line in football. But now there's one piece that is, you know, vulnerable and Green Bay has to take that Jonah Jackson spot and they've got to attack it whether that's with Kenny Clark or Devontae Wyatt or TJ Slayton, I don't care who it is, whether they can get Rashawn Gary lined up over it, whether whomever it is, that's the spot that you have to win at because every other spot is a daunting challenge. Penny Sewell is becoming one of the best offensive linemen in all of football. We know how good Frank Ragnow is. This line is spectacular, but now they have one piece that you might be able to attack Green Bay has to attack it. They have to win at that spot and they've got to get penetration because number three is you've got to get Jared Goff off of his spot. If he's comfortable, if he's chilling back there, he can be, and I know this is going to sound like crazy because it's Jared Goff, but Jared Goff, first of all, has played really great football over the course of the last couple of years. I think he is still not getting the credit that he totally deserves for the way that he has played as of late. But he can be an assassin if you let him sit in the pocket and have time, especially with weapons like Amon Ross St. Brown and Laporta and now Jamison Williams and Jameer Gibbs in the backfield and all of it. Like There are plenty of weapons that can beat you and they don't need a ton of time. And if you give Jared Goff a free reign and are not pressuring him and are allowing him to just kind of stay on his spot and survey the field, you are asking for a very long day at the office. So You got to, again, win in the trenches is one. Two is you got to attack that Jonah Jackson spot. And three is you've got to find a way through all of that to get Jared Goff off of his spot or he will pick you apart all day long. Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. I think it's safe to say we've officially reached the holiday season, which is sure to bring a tremendous amount of love and joy and its usual holiday cheer. But let's be real. It's also going to come with in-laws, chaos, and a fair amount of stress and anxiety as well. We've all been there. The holidays are always enjoyable, don't get me wrong, but there are also those holiday moments that we all have to deal with, and we can all deal with them in very different ways. If you're feeling anxious or nervous, sad or stressed, just know those feelings are normal, but also know that there are different ways that you can counteract those feelings. And for me, therapy has given me a beacon to look to in those difficult holiday moments. It's equipped me with the tools necessary to handle and manage a wide range of situations and a wide range of emotions. During therapy, I've learned positive ways to deal with negativity, and I've learned the skills necessary to handle all the curveballs that life likes to throw at us. 
If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so incredibly flexible, and it's adaptable to your unique schedule. Find your bright spot this holiday season with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash packaday. Hey there. I'm sure you've heard a ton about daily fantasy sports, but I'm here to tell you that you've never experienced anything quite like prize picks. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Even more fun yet? Do you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. I've had so much fun making Prize Picks a part of my daily fantasy sports routine. They cover all of my favorite sports, have a ton of variety and different options to choose from, and the player choices are immense. I even had a fun J.K. Scott selection the other day for the Chargers game. I recently had a big win on Saturday morning in a London game, and it just made the viewing experience so much more enjoyable. It's fun, it's exciting, it's easy, and there's a level of creativity and uniqueness about it that I really, really enjoy. So go to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. On the opposite side of the ball, number four, and we talked about Green Bay needed to be better in the trenches on the offensive side of the ball too. Protecting Jordan Love is a part of that, but Jordan Love has to do a much better job of getting the ball out of his hands than he did in week four against the Lions. That was like sort of a learning curve game from Jordan because those first few games against, specifically against the Bears and the Falcons, but especially later in the game against the Saints, Jordan had time and he could survey the field and he could get to his number three and four options. So you saw him chilling in the pocket, surveying the field and making his reads one, two, three, four, five, whatever it was. He got to Detroit or against Detroit and Detroit was winning immediately. And Jordan needed to adjust his clock quicker in that game to be like, okay, I'm not going to get to read three or four. So I've got to go read one or two and then make adjustments after that. And ideally get the ball out of my hands on read one or two. And you go back and you watch that game and Jordan had opportunities to get the ball out of his hands for easy completions early in the you know progressions and was not doing so, was trying to hit bigger plays down the field and continue to go through his progressions, hoping for something bigger when he could have just got the ball out of his hands, stayed in manageable down in distances rather than taking sacks and hits and everything like that. So Jordan has to do a much better job getting the ball out of his hands, getting the hands in the ball, uh, in the, getting the ball in the hands of his playmakers, and then you know, most importantly is playing an efficient brand of football. That's going to happen by getting the ball out of your hands and getting it to your playmakers, but he's got to avoid the mistakes. He's got to, you know, be playing a a pretty clean game of football, not turning the ball over and just having those catastrophic mistakes. So getting the ball out and playing efficient going to be huge for Jordan and this offense. Number five, it's going to come up to or down to Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson in this one. Those two are going to be the primary targets. Jaden Reed, while playing, is banged up. I don't expect Dontavian Wicks to go. I don't think you're going to want to put too much on Samore Toure or you know Malik Heath or Bo Melton. Luke Musgrave is out. Aaron Jones is out. Your two legitimate starters at your you know premium positions on offense are 
or I should say your playmaking positions on offense are Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. Those are the two that are going to have to step up and play great. And Dobbs played really well in week four against the Lions. I think he had like 99 yards, um, but he has to continue that. He had a really nice week last week. He's got to find ways to win and give Jordan Love that easy target so that Jordan doesn't have to go number three, number four through his progression. And then Christian Watson is well overdue for that 100-yard game. Maybe it only comes on three plays, three plays, 105 yards, something like that, and he gets an explosive. I don't care, but Watson has to come up with some big plays in this one. It's going to come up to Watson and Dobbs and how they can perform because Green Bay doesn't have a ton of weapons left. And if Dobbs and Watson get taken out of this game, good luck getting the point production that you need in order to beat Detroit in Detroit on Thanksgiving. Number six on my list, you don't have to be perfect, but you have to be perfect in key moments. There's still going to be these mistakes for Green Bay. That That's not going away anytime soon. Still too much youth and volatility. And now you're adding in players like Patrick Taylor and James Robinson and a lot more Tucker Craft and you know maybe some more Malik Heath. Like, you're, you're still going to have this volatility and you're still going to have these mistakes. But in key moments, on third downs, in red zone situations, and you know, whether it's fourth and one and you're going for it, whatever it might be, in those key situations, they do need to be perfect in this game. Point production is going to be massive. They are going to have to hang with this Lions offense. And if they leave points on the field, they're going to get beat. So it's going to take those moments when they get in the red zone to turn those red zone opportunities, not into field goals, but into touchdowns. Again, when you have a third and five, and especially in those manageable third down situations, you got to keep moving the chains. You got to keep your defense off the field. You got to keep your offense on and hopefully matriculate your way down the field to get that point production. So I'm not saying that Green Bay needs to play a perfect brain, you know, perfect game of football from beginning to end. But when you get into some of those key situations, that's when they need to be perfect. Honed in, have that attention to detail, and understand that those are the moments in this game that are going to win or lose you the game. And if this is the same volatile team in those situations where, yeah, they make a couple plays here and there, but they also have some really bad mistakes and missed field goals and whatever it might be, you're going to get beat. So it's going to come down to those key situations. And in those situations, that's when Green Bay needs to be perfect in this one. Number seven is while you need to be perfect in those key situations and while you need to get the point production to hang with the Lions, don't just chase points either. There's an issue sometimes where teams going in expecting that they got to put up 30 points to hang with the opposing team will leave points on the field and will chase points when if they just would have you know kind of taken the points when they were there, they would have been able to hang in the game longer. And maybe you get a turnover or something that goes your way at the end and you've got a real chance to win the game. The, when you're the underdog, the longer that you hang around, the more pesky and annoying you become, the more the crowd starts to get anxious, the more the, the home team and the favorite starts to get anxious of like, why aren't we putting this team away? If you go for some of those big conversions on fourth down or whatever it might be, you got to come away with points. But because if you chase points and you don't come away with anything, you're you're really setting yourself up for failure. So be at your best in those key situations, but don't over chase points. Because if you do that, you're going to take points off the board trying to chase them. And it's just going to give Detroit even more leeway to, you know, maybe even if they do make a mistake here or there, it's not going to matter because you're not turning those opportunities into even any points, much less getting the points that you were hoping for when you got down the field in the first place. Number eight, rally and tackle, rally and tackle, rally and tackle. It's a bad tackling team. There's That is not going to fix itself 
on a short week. That is not going to fix itself this season. It's They're bad at tackling and they're going to be bad at tackling. But one of the ways that you can help that a little bit is by everyone rallying to the football so that if the first person misses the tackle, at least there are the second and third and fourth people there to make it so that, yeah, it should have been a three-yard gain if the first person made the tackle. Now it's a five-yard gain, but let's not turn it into a 20-yard gain. And really what I was going to go for here was like, you have to have a plan for Equinemia St. Brown. Uh, Sorry, uh, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, excuse me. You got to have a plan for Amon Ross St. Brown. But you also have to have a a plan for Sam Laporta. You also have to have a plan for Jameer Gibbs. You probably need to at least be aware of Jamison Williams down the field. Like there's just a lot of guys that you have to have a plan for. And truthfully, you can't have a plan for all of them. So those guys are going to make their plays. There's going to be big moments, but you have to make sure that you are tackling and rallying to the football so that those plays that they do make end up being 10, 12 yard gains rather than 30, 40 yard gains, because you can't have another situation like Jonathan Owens last week where, yeah, that's a sucky play no matter what. But if you can hold that sucky play to 15 yards rather than like a 40 yard touchdown or whatever it was, that's a whole heck of a lot different. That's what Green Bay needs in this game because those guys are going to get theirs, but you have to make it so that it's minimized as much as humanly possible. Number nine, you cannot start slow again. They started brutally in that week four game against the Lions. If they start slow and the Lions are up, you know, 20 to three at half again, all right, you're you're not coming back. And crazier things have maybe happened, but you're really setting yourself up for failure if it gets to that point. So Green Bay's like opening drive, I don't care what happens with Detroit's opening drive, but Green Bay's opening drive like needs to hopefully be well scripted out and you need to find points on that drive. And you just can't have the situation again where Green Bay ends up with three points or less at halftime and Detroit is probably getting some point production. And all of a sudden, like I said, it's 20 to three and you're just chasing everything in the second half. Not a recipe for success and not a situation that Green Bay wants to get itself in again. And number 10, the most important one, the waxing gibbous. Yes, you heard me right. The waxing gibbous. According to Jay Cutta, since the AFL-NFL merger, the Lions are 0-12 on Thanksgiving when the moon is in a waxing gibbous phase. And yes, the moon right now is in a waxing gibbous phase. The Lions, their kryptonite is Thanksgiving game with a waxing gibbous, according to Jay Cutta. Did I fact check this? I certainly did not. Do I care enough to fact check it? I really do not. But according to Jay Cutta, the Lions are very defeatable in this exact moon lunar cycle. Is that a lunar cycle, a moon cycle, whatever it might be. When the waxing gibbous comes along and it's a Thanksgiving day, the Lions simply cannot win football games. I wish I could say I was making that up, but that is a literal tweet that I read. Uh, so you had to hear it too. So maybe there is hope. Maybe there is hope in the waxing gibbous and the Packers can somehow find a way to come away with a win on Thanksgiving. I am not trusting the waxing gibbous. My official prediction in this one is Lions 30, Packers 23. I do think they make progress. I think they play better than they did in week four. I think they might even give the Lions a little bit of a scare, but I think the Lions are just too good. And again, Lions 30, Packers 23. Hope everyone enjoys their Thanksgiving. Really quick to run down those 10 keys again, the trenches slash physicality, attack the Jonah Jackson spot, get Jared Goff off of his spot, let Jordan get the ball out of his hands and let the playmakers do the heavy lifting. Dobbs and Watson got to come up with a big game. You don't have to be perfect, but you got to be perfect in big moments. Don't over chase points, rally and tackle, don't start slow and trust in the waxing gibbous. Again, thank you guys so much for letting me be a part of your Packers routine, whenever that might be. 
Really appreciate you guys. I love this Packaday podcast community. All of our podcasters that are on the audio version, all of our amazing guests that are on the videos, and all of you for listening, supporting everything you do. It literally means everything to me. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Hope you all join me in a Thanksgiving pizza. Hopefully we can enjoy a Packers victory. That would be amazing. I will be live for a Packers post-game show as soon as the game is done. So if you're not doing anything for Thanksgiving or maybe the food's not quite ready yet, make sure to check that out. I will see you guys then. We'll be back tomorrow as always, 365 days a year. Check out those Packaday podcast memberships if you have not yet. Shout out and a special thanks today on Thanksgiving to our Hall of Fame and All-Pro members, Most Hated Minnesotan, PJ Wayne, John Wilde, Shea Bradad, Arnaldo Espinosa, Jennifer Wright, Boomhandle, Donald Lee, and Lori Lord. I will see you guys soon. Enjoy the game. Go Pack Go. But until next time, and as always, let's say it again. Go Pack Go.